Runway incursions, how bad are they? Flying in the lower flight levels, what you can and can't do. And rushing through a career, how progressing through too quickly could be harmful to your career and the industry as a whole. I'm going to discuss all this and more coming right up. So strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 109 of the Flight Training Australia podcast. Whether you're listening in Newman or Newcastle, Narracourt to Nooka and everywhere in between, this is the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. G'day, how are you going? I'm your host Trent Robinson and thank you for joining us. Well, another huge week, lots going on in the industry as a whole and uh, for me, uh, YouTube finally got up and running, I promise, see I told you, it's only taken what, 12 months, but hey, we're there and thank you everyone for your kind messages and support, um, video version of the podcast I guess, but Again, you've got to start somewhere, and I'm really glad that you've all enjoyed it, that those listening had some great feedback, and I will, uh, like I said, try not to make it a one-hit wonder and get some more out very, very soon. If you haven't watched it already, go check out YouTube. Just look up the Flight Training Australia channel, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave comments, like, all that stuff. Look, it's not so much for me to get the likes and try and uh, be a uh, an influencer and all this crap, but... For me, the likes and the content means it's going to be found by others like you guys. And that's what's more important to me. Um, I'm not looking to uh, be a YouTube sensation, but hey, if it happens, I won't say no. But it's not about that. Everything I put on Instagram, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, all that sort of stuff, it's all about either some good entertainment or educational value. Um, But there will usually always be a message or out of interest for, uh, for you guys to see what goes on in my world and and the world of aviation around us. So please uh, jump on, subscribe to all those, and uh, again, look forward to getting some more out very, very soon. Speaking of YouTube, uh, a bit of a new feature that's just come out recently. I have added some of the podcast episodes onto YouTube. Um, Some people like to listen on YouTube, so if that's you, let me know. I've uh, only put about the last 12 months or so on there. I haven't done the whole catalogue, but uh, any new episode will be added uh, so if that's a easier way for you to listen or just chuck it on the telly while you're um, at home and you want to listen, I guess it's, it's different depending on how we've all got our, our Spotify's and Apple Podcasts wired up to speakers and things around the house. But, yeah, if that's an option for you, fantastic. But, yeah, let me know. I know um, there's been a few listens or watches. I don't know how to say it <laughs> so far already. But, uh, yeah, let me know about that one. Other exciting news, got a new partnership that I've formed with uh, – someone who will be very, very exciting, I think, and uh, allow me to do a lot of things in the near future. So that's what I'm going to say right now. just going to drop that little teaser in there. But there will be more on that in the next uh, month or so and what's happening and very, very excited about that. And finally, before we get into the episode, some other fantastic news that I received and has just been formally announced. The Australian Flying Magazine, in conjunction with CASA, I uh, have the 2023 CASA Wings Awards, and these are awards that recognise achievements of flyers, instructors, clubs and uh, services in general aviation, and CASA, the division of the Royal Australian Society and Australian, Australian Flying, congratulate. 
the following winners. Um, Cole Pay Award for Lifetime of Service to General Aviation goes to Rod Birrell. The Aero Club of the Year Award goes to the Royal Victorian Aero Club. And the Flying Instructor Year Award goes to yours truly. Um, yeah, I can't even believe it. It's uh, really fantastic and very, very grateful for all that. So thank you for those that nominated me. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I guess there'll be some more uh, uh, info on that on the March-April magazine that comes out soon. But to receive that award, the Flying Instructor of the Year Award, is just a fantastic um, thing and, uh, and recognising the work that I'm doing. And just, you know, it, it's – as I say, the flight instructors, I think the flying instructor role is just so important in industry to ensure that we we have the best uh, quality pilots out there and, and we maintain the amazing standards we have in Australia and it's just an honour and a privilege to be part of that process. So thank you very much. Very, very humbled to uh, win that one and uh, look forward to sharing more information on that one with you soon. All right, so let's get into today's episode and look, God, this whole thing in Japan, I think everyone's seen it. First of all, there was a, an earthquake and tsunami, and if that wasn't bad enough, then there was this uh, aviation incident, which, look, let's face it, could have been absolutely horrendous, and, and thank God it didn't uh, end up as bad as it potentially could. Absolute hats off to the crew. Um, you know, I think it, it, there's so many messages, even as you know, I'm not one to start making judgments before um, – you know, the official findings come out, but there's no doubt like that the handling um, from what we can see so far for the crew, you know, whilst it took a little while to get everybody out, not opening doors when there's fire outside. Um, we talk about this all the time and whether you're flying a 172 or a Baron or A350, it, it just goes to show that, you know, if you're going to sit in an exit row, I can guarantee to the majority of people it's just extra leg room. Um, push come to shove. You know, heaven help us, <laughs> I'd, I'd want to know who exactly is sitting in that seat and if they are actually going to be able to perform the task because all our lives uh, hang in the balance there. And this is just as important that when you're doing your own passenger safety checks and, and um, your briefings and that sort of stuff that people understand what to do, especially when it's like a, a, a low-wing Piper sort of aircraft or something where the right-hand door, passenger door, is your emergency exit and they are now sitting between you and it. So, you know, take the time. It doesn't have to be really anal and serious and, and present them with a carrot up your butt, but make sure you, you make them aware of what their role is and, you know, just seriously, just check if there's fire or anything else out. We're not going to go out that way. Don't just open it in a panic to try and get out, which is going to be a lot of people's natural instincts. It's um, the other thing it definitely highlights here, again, all sorts of versions of the transcripts uh, showing at the moment and people saying, oh, it's lost in translation even though all the calls were made in English. So I'm not sure, sure, not sure how that works. But the translation of how this language has been simplified in these transcripts is the problem because it significantly changes the meaning depending on which one you listen to. So I don't think we can pay too much attention to those right now, but what we can say is there is no doubt that communication combined with seeing, hearing and avoiding is a major factor in this incident or accident. Um, It's terrible that five lives have been lost and 
we're just very fortunate that more weren't. But again, the similar to the episode I released a few weeks ago about the trust we place in ATC, that we can't just do what they say. We've got to verify what they say and convince ourselves as well that what they've said to do is the correct thing. Um, no TAMs were available at Haneda Airport that the stop bars were unserviceable. Again, the old Swiss cheese uh, of the all times to stop an aircraft from lining up without a clearance. Had those stop bars been working, that could have avoided the accident. Again, nothing is foolproof, but it would have gone a long, long way to uh, helping prevent that horrible accident. So the message is, irrespective of what the final outcome is for all of us, is a strong reminder that we must always remain vigilant not to become complacent. Uh, Runway incursions are happening all over the world, including here in Australia. And CASA just recently released a little roundtable discussion there about um, an incident at Perth with, uh, I think it was Perth, Anyway, uh, two 737s, one uh, doing a high-speed taxi exit and nearly crossed the runway in the path of a, another departing aeroplane, which again would have just been a disaster here in Australia. So it's not an overseas problem. Uh, jump on YouTube and look at all those air traffic control transcript videos and stuff in America. There's aeroplanes lining up on taxiways and um, people crossing runways and go-arounds and it's just... I don't know, is it getting worse? Is it just because we're flying more? So it seems worse. It's one of those statistics that's hard to get real clear uh, view on. But either way, it is definitely a thing. So always check on final. Don't just listen to controllers. If you're at uh, uncontrolled airports, make sure you make your taxi call. Don't just then assume because no one said anything that the runway's clear. Always give people time to respond. Remember, if you're short final, you're going to be talking on the radio. You're going to be focusing on your landing. So put yourself in the other aircraft, um, make sure that you've uh, said something, give it a chance and position yourself that you have good clear view of the uh, approach paths. And when the wind is a little bit variable, remember people could be coming from either end as well. Alrighty. Now, this one. Flight in the lower flight levels. When uh, Part 91 came out and the new regs, um, there was some changes. And one of the changes was talking about supplemental oxygen and the ability to fly in, uh, well, flight level 120, 12,000 feet without any oxygen or maybe up to 30 minutes or, again, all sorts of different variations. And people have, as they tend to do with the regs, latched onto this uh, amazing concept. Yeah, I get to fly in the flight levels and uh, doing it so illegally. So what I want to do is just let's do what I tell you to do when there's uncertainties. Let's go to the source. And a lot of you have actually messaged me about this over the last six to 12 months. And I have spoken to some operators as well saying, hey, you need to stop doing that. Um, not necessarily operators, but pilots within the operations, because it is not legal. That's not what the regs say. So let's get into it. Let's have a look. And if you, if this is applicable to you, I strongly recommend that you have a look at uh, these sections. And uh, I will list the. Uh, I'll try and link them. But usually, when I link the mods, it just sends you to the whole whole thing. But I'll put the. Uh, references in the episode description so you can look at those later on. 
So first of all, let's start at the base level. Man, uh, Part 91, manual standards, is what applies to everybody on a base level. So in this case, pretty much private operations. So paragraph or division 26.11, which is the oxygen equipment and oxygen supplies. And we want to have a look at paragraph 26 or chapter 26.43, and that's supplemental oxygen. The very first statement, part one, says an aircraft must carry sufficient supplemental oxygen to meet the requirements set out in table 26.43, brackets two, which is obviously to come. So we'll get to that. Then it says an aircraft to which what I just said applies, as per the table, must be fitted with or carry supplemental oxygen equipment capable of storing and dispensing the supplemental oxygen to crew members and passengers. All right, so that's a significant thing. So what it says is must be fitted with or carry, i.e. it can be a fixed installation oxygen system or it can be transportable oxygen bottles with uh, the appropriate cannulas and face masks or whatever else that is needed to dispense it. All right, so if we scroll down, there is another section there, but it's not really relevant to what we're talking about now. So if you have a look at the table, supplemental oxygen requirements, item one, column one says person, the flight crew member or crew, and then the second item is the passenger. Let's just have a look at the pilot. A, for any period exceeding 30 minutes, when the cabin pressure altitude is continuously at least flight level 125, but less than flight level 140, there must be supply for the entire period. All right, so referencing back to at the top of what I said, an aircraft that what I just said applies for continuous flight at at least flight level 125, you need oxygen for any period exceeding 30 minutes. So what that means is, we can fly up to flight level 125 for any amount of time with no oxygen fitted or carried. So you don't need any oxygen at all. All right. Now, this is an ability um, that is given in for private operations. So if you um, have an aircraft or private operation that you want to fly at flight level 120, you can 100% do that for whatever time frame you want. However, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So the things or the considerations I'd put in there is if you want to fly at flight level 120, what Q&H settings should you use? Hopefully you've all realised that you've gone through the transition layer and you should be on Q&H 1013. All right, but what about if you want to go at flight level 110? Okay, depending on what the Q&H is, Given the area QNH and the static QNH, sometimes flight level 110 is not available because the buffer between what would be effectively 1013 and higher will shrink the separation layer to too close to each other. All right, so we're basically going to break within that 1,000 feet sort of separation. So that's not going to be available. All right, now this is all in the AIP and this is stuff that you need to be familiar with because otherwise you'll be on the wrong Q&H, which will put you on the wrong altitude. It's going to break down separation requirements. The other thing is time of useful consciousness at these levels. Now, flight level 120, 130 is our typical uh, cabin depressurized 
altitude that aircraft will come down to. So pressurised aircraft will descend to and there is sufficient oxygen there. However, you will feel mild symptoms of hypoxia at some point, all right? The air is getting thin. And if you're doing this at night time, then it will be effectively a much higher altitude. So there'll be even thinner air, less oxygen available to you. So these are things that 100% must be factored in and considered when you're flying at this level, okay? All right. So that is private operations part 91. Now, if we have a look at charter operations now, so let's just have a look at part 135. In here, we need to go to the part 135 MOS, and this is in uh, Division 9, 11.41. All right, so this is 11.41 supplemental oxygen, unpressurized aeroplanes. All right, same sort of statement. An unpressurized aeroplane operating at a pressure altitude above 10,000 feet must be fitted with or carry sufficient supplemental oxygen to meet the requirements. Okay, so that's pretty much it there. And a relevant aeroplane to which the section I just read applies must be fitted with or carry supplemental oxygen. And this is the big difference. A, we're now not talking about flight level 125, we're talking about above 10,000 feet. Therefore, to fly above 10,000 feet, you don't have to have oxygen, but you have to be fitted with oxygen equipment, all right? And this is what I've had to say to some people, that you do not have equipment stored in your aeroplane. So it doesn't have to have oxygen in it. It just has to have an oxygen system. So it doesn't matter if you're going to do it for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you just can't do it, all right? So part 135 operations for equipment that has not got oxygen systems, you cannot be flying at flight level 125. All right, so hopefully that clears things up. It's just as simple as that. They're the statements, they're the regs. Like I said, I will link these in the episode description so you can have a good uh, flick through and read of that yourself. Might take a couple of times to read because it doesn't actually say, like for the Part 91 operations, that you can fly when it, it says you can't fly. Therefore, below 125, you can. So it's making the can't statement rather than the can statement. So it is a little bit confusing. And I will admit, going through this, getting ready for this episode again, I was reading it and it was right in front of me and it still wasn't making sense as to, hang on, this is the section I'm looking for. So just be aware of that. All right. Um, so finally, just to wrap things up, I just wanted to touch quickly on career progression. Career progression. There we go. So rushing. I've spoken to a lot of people and listen to a lot of other podcasts as well, both here and uh, in Australia and internationally. And something that just seems to keep coming up is to slow down, don't rush, enjoy the journey. And there is so much wisdom in these words. What I want to just point out, again, I'm not going to turn this into a, a lecture or anything else, but just really think about and be honest with yourself to say, are you ready to move on? Now, you will see other people going on and you'll get serious FOMO, fear of missing out, not wanting to uh, miss out on opportunities because you see everyone else moving on ahead. But as I keep telling you guys, there are so many people out there that are not making it. They are thinking they're moving on to their dream job and they're walking away completely empty-handed. And usually the reason is because they went too soon. All right. So... 
just really think about it. Enjoy what GA brings. It's not just the experience. I know the page not necessarily always as good, but it it's the experience, the flying experience that you gain, the exposure to different operations, different locations, different airspace, different weather, all that stuff uh, that shapes you and rounds you and moulds you into the uh, the pilot you're going to be. And it will make you safer, more confident, and ultimately more hireable in the end. All right, so just take time with things and uh, be careful about, you know, the advice I guess you, you listen to. Here I am giving you advice. But um, hopefully I've established that, I'm, you know, I reasonably know what I'm talking about here. And this isn't just coming from me. This is coming from people all over the place, uh, heads of operations, chief pilots and um, chicken trainers and all that sort of stuff. I've got people I contact and keep in touch with all over industry. A lot of my former colleagues are all um, pilots in industry now and uh, falling into these uh, chicken training roles now and seeing firsthand themselves the problems that we're, we're sort of facing and emerging. Some of these problems as well, just on a bit of a side note, I think is, again, just watch the advice that you follow um, on some of these online forums and things because I'm just watching the advice that's been given and I'm like, oh, my God, like, it's just so wrong and it's incorrect and it's confusing people. And remember, if you go and do whatever that advice was that was wrong, that's potentially going to get yourself into strife, all right? Hopefully not. I, I, I don't think in the initial instance Kath is going to, you know, throw the book at you. It was an innocent mistake. But remember about strict liability, if uh, you do it, then, you know, you're accountable for it. So just make sure you, you get your advice from a trustworthy source and, and don't put all your eggs in the basket of online forums and, and message boards and that sort of stuff. Remember the rules and the regs are all here. So this is what this podcast is for, to help discuss this stuff. If you've got questions, please, please, please send them to me. Even if I've gone through it before, I'll answer you, I'll direct you to it, or if it's something that's coming up, I'll I'll put it in an episode like this one and uh, cover it off for you all, all right? But uh, the questions, I don't know, people, it sort of feeds into what I keep talking about with people don't seem to look stuff up anymore. It's just easy to go and ask somebody. And... This is, again, leading towards uh, your ability to be independent and look after yourself in the big world, especially when you move into the airline environment where you're not getting your hand held as much as you, you're usually used to, um, even in some GA environments as well. So just be mindful of that. Make sure you get good advice and uh, keep keep bettering yourself, keep developing yourself, ask questions, find out what's going on and uh if you really can't find it, and then like I've had a lot of people, they've asked me questions, they've referenced the regs and they're still just trying to get the header out of it. They're the questions I love because they've already gone out to try and find out for themselves. So that's what we love to see. All right, guys, that is it for this episode, 109. Uh, next week, it should be a good one. I'm going to be talking to you about flight tests and everything that we as examiners are looking for in you, the applicant, whether you are doing an RPL test or a ATPL test or anything in between, this is applicable to everybody. So that's uh, going to be next week, talking about what we're looking for as examiners. And there'll be some fantastic tips and things there as well to help you prepare for any flight test that you're going for. All right. There will be, uh, 
I've got heaps planned. There's a, a lot of RPL, PPL level stuff I'm going to start going back to. Uh, we're going to talk about stalling, uh, spinning. You would have seen the spinning video that I posted a little while ago. We're going to talk about that. Um, stalling practices, techniques, circuit stuff. Um, get really into some of the basics as well. So heaps to come. Stay tuned. Lock it in. Get the notifications in. Please, please don't stop leaving reviews on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I read all of them and I love seeing those. Um, there's also a feature on Spotify now that you can uh, leave comments um, or questions or feedback, but just be mindful that some of you have asked me a question. I can't actually respond to that. So please leave like a statement saying that was the most amazing episode I've ever heard. <laughs> but if you've got a question, throw that into either my email or uh, hit me up on Instagram, LinkedIn or uh, any of those other TikTok forums, that sort of stuff. You can get me there and I'll uh, happily answer your question. All right, guys, have a fantastic week. Hopefully it's uh, raining this week. It's not going to be necessarily the best for flying, but we desperately need it. And the temperatures are going to come down and the monsoon's going to hit. Um, that'll be fantastic. We really, really need it. All right, guys, until then, blue skies if you're flying. Otherwise, thunder and lightning and rain if you're on the ground watching it, enjoying it, staying cool in the tropics. And remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.